Hi there, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 104. And today I'd like to talk about turning life into homeschool records notes. I have already recorded an episode with a similar title, but I thought that I would talk about this topic again because so much has been happening around here that I haven't really had time to sit down and strew, do particular things with my daughter, Gemma Rose. We have just been going with the flow of a very busy life. And I'd like to talk about all that, how we are living our lives, but at the same time, I'm keeping up my record keeping. Yes, sometimes life is very quiet. There's plenty of time to go looking for things to learn about. I might strew a few books. I might say to Gemma Rose, would you like to watch a Shakespeare play with me? That type of thing. And sometimes life is so hectic that there isn't time to do any of that. We just go from one thing to another. And I sit down at the end of the day and I think, what am I going to write in the homeschool records book today? How am I going to translate all the things that we did today into the right kind of language? Language that will satisfy the education department. So I hope that my examples are helpful, that they will give you some ideas about how to turn your life into the right kind of notes so that you can unschool and at the same time fulfill any homeschool registration requirements. I'm going to start by telling you about a trip away from home. A few weeks ago, my husband Andy and our daughter Gemma Rose, who is 13, we took a trip away up north to see my son Callum. He lives about seven and a half hours drive away. Well, it's seven and a half hours if you don't get lost and there isn't any traffic accidents on the roads that you want to go along. Both those things happened to us. On the way up to see him, we did get lost. And on the way back, there was a multi-vehicle accident on one of the roads that we travel along. Both those incidents delayed us considerably. It took us a whole day to get up there. We had a day with our son, and it took us a whole day to get back. But it was worth it. I did enjoy seeing my adult son, And he enjoyed seeing us. And I think that is really wonderful that our adult children, they leave home and they still want to be part of our lives. He was so thrilled that we were making this trip up to see him in his own environment. He comes down to see us a lot. But for us to make that trip, it really meant a lot to him. He wanted to show us around because he's moved away from home. Where we live is where he grew up and then he went on a big adventure, moved away. And so the area he lives in now is different from where we live and it's not an area that we have explored. We've only ever been up there twice. Lots of new things to see. I have a little story that Callum and I were talking about the last time he came down to visit us. It's a story that amuses us immensely. A lot of people have accused me of controlling my children. Yes, it's amusing. 
I don't think they understand unschooling at all. Maybe they don't even know we're unschooling. But because my children want to do things with us, because they want to be involved with all our family events, even though some of our children are now adults, of course other people think that we make our children come home to see us, that they do certain things to keep us parents happy which is not true at all. I've always lived by the principle that my children do not have to do things to keep me happy. They are free to do whatever they want to do. Some people would say they owe us things, but I don't think we can tell them that. What I really want my older children to do is to want to come home, to want to be involved with the family, to want to do things that show us that they love us, and that they care very much about us. But we can't force kids to do that. And my kids, my older kids especially, because they are away from home, they do such things freely, willingly. They really love coming home or having us visit them, spending time talking on the phone, sending text messages, that type of thing. They do it freely. We don't have to force our kids to love us. But anyway, back to the trip away. When we came home, we brought home a puppy. If you follow me on Instagram or if you follow my Facebook page, you will have seen photos of our puppy. Her name is Quinn and she is a cross Great Dane Sharpay. She is so cute. We think that she's going to grow into quite a big dog. Already at about nine weeks, we can just see that she's getting big. She's got a big head, she's got big feet, her legs are long. Quinn has been the start of a lot of learning experiences. Of course, we've researched Sharpays, we've researched Great Danes, because we're interested in knowing how our puppy is going to grow and develop, what we can expect from her. Gemma Rose has been training the dog, and this led us on to a discussion about the science of dog training. Now there's two ideas. A lot of people say that because dogs are descended from wolves, they are a pack animal. When we're training our dogs, we need to be the alpha dog, be in control. But I have read other articles about how it is better to train dogs by rewarding positive behavior. That our present day dogs aren't necessarily pack animals. A lot has happened between the time of the wolves many, many years ago and our present domesticated dogs. It's a very interesting subject. Anyway, Gemma Rose has been training our dog with lots of treats. So far, she's got her to sit and to drop, and she has even got her to stay. If Gemma Rose puts a treat on the floor in front of Quinn and then disappears around the corner, Quinn sits still and she won't touch the treat until Gemma Rose comes back. Now, I'm sure Quinn won't do that for me, because I haven't been involved in the training. Gemma Rose said we all should have a go at this, so that our dog is obedient to everybody, that she's pleasant to live with. We took Quinn to the vet maybe two weeks ago. She had to have some immunizations. She was wormed. She had fleas, actually, so we had to flea-treat her. This all led to discussions about immunizations, how they work. We didn't really go into fleas and worms, but we could have done that. 
I think we've talked about that a lot in the past because we have four other pets. We have talked about dog breeding, which has led us on to the topic of genetics. Now, both Sharpays and Great Danes, purebred ones, they're not very long-lived because they're big dogs. The vet said that the bigger the dog, the shorter the lifespan. And both dogs are pretty big. Well, Great Dane is huge. A Sharpay is classified as a medium dog, but they are on the big side. Now, of course, both dogs have their problems. For example, Sharpays have excess skin. It forms rolls on their bodies. And this can cause problems, especially around their eyes. So we were talking about how the gene pool increases when we breed two different kinds of dog. And the fact is that they will be less likely to have problems. So we're hoping that Quinn will be a very healthy cross. So there's a lot of science involved in getting a new pet. We could learn about genetics by getting a science textbook, reading all about it, trying to understand it. But genetics is much more relevant when we have a real-life example in front of us. I've been looking for articles on the internet about Sharpays, Great Danes, dog training, dog breeding, all that kind of thing. And I've been clipping them into my Evernote notebooks. And Jim Rose and I have been reading them together. I also googled the words dog documentaries. We watched one the other day about how dogs were domesticated. There are other dog documentaries on my list. And I'm going to offer them to Gemma Rose when we have a few spare moments. It's a topic she's really interested in at the moment because of our puppy. Very relevant. If I backtrack a moment, back to our trip up to see my son Callum, I said that it was a different sort of area from the place where we live. We were only there a day, well, one day travelling, one day there, one day travelling back, so we didn't have an awful lot of time to explore. But we did see a few sites, including a man-made dam, a huge dam. I took a lot of photos of it. It was absolutely stunning. The winter's sun shining off the water, the reflections were magnificent. So I did some googling about that particular dam. I found some articles, some information about it. I clipped those into my Evernote notebook and I added some of the photos that I took. Gemma Rose took some photos as well. We only took Gemma Rose with us, just one child away. Sophia, 16-year-old, couldn't come with us because she was working. The other girls were busy doing other things as well. But before we left, Sophie gave Gemma Rose one of her cameras and she asked her to take photos of everything. She wanted to see what it was like around the place where her brother lives because she has never been there. So Gemma Rose took a lot of photos and I've added some photos of mine to my Evernote notebook. I haven't yet downloaded her photos and uploaded them to Evernote, but that's one thing that I can do. We also saw a lot of open-cut mines. They're mainly coal mines. The open-cut mines were actually quite majestic. It was quite a sight to see them. I would have thought that they would have been an eyesore. But from our position on the road, yeah, they looked like something like a mountain. You know, that sort of awe-inspiring sight. 
I guess to think that man has altered the environment in such a big way. I guess there would be a lot of people who would protest about that. I have read that companies who do open cut mining have to clean up after them once they close the mine. There's a mine like that somewhere down south here where we live, and we were reading about that oh a couple of months ago. They haven't actually cleaned it up even though the mine has been closed. We now live in a mining-free area. I think the reason that the company hasn't yet done the clean-up is because they have declared the mine as in recess. It might be reopened. I think that's probably positive thinking. Probably something they're saying so they don't have to spend all that money and get on and make the environment as it was before. But anyway, lots of things to talk about. Environmental issues, energy. Do we really need coal? Could we have other forms of energy? We have gone down a lot of different pathways as we have been talking. Talking about the environment and energy, one program that we like to watch together as a family is Grand Designs. I have mentioned this before in other podcasts. Every week, the host. Follows the progress of the building of one house, a grand design. Usually, there's something unusual about the house. They are not everyday homes. Almost always, these houses are very expensive to build. Almost always, they go over budget. Almost always, it takes longer to build these houses than is predicted. Some of the houses are eco-friendly houses. Some have special adaptations to the environment in which they are built. We have discussed such things as sustainability, eco toilets, growing your own food, using second-hand materials, making a home energy efficient. We've even talked about heritage-listed homes. Some people have restored castles or old farmhouses or barns. Some people have really huge visions. They put all their money, all their resources into building their perfect home. The other day, I was googling grand designs, and I have discovered that some of these grand design houses have actually been on the market, offered up for sale. And some of the reasons why the original owners have sold them have been quite sad. Perfect houses. Don't always mean a perfect life. Some people have got themselves into so much debt over building their homes that they have had no choice but to sell them. Other people have had relationship problems. It isn't easy building your grand design, especially when you haven't really got the money to do it. Very, very stressful. And sometimes people they can't agree. Partners can't agree on what they should spend the money on, what the design should look like. Yeah, lots of things to talk about. We've talked about the meaning of life. What makes us happy? Do we need such a big home? So lifestyle shows like Grand Designs can be a huge source of notes, homeschool records notes. These shows are just made for the general public. We might pass over them when we're thinking of education, but they teach us so much. They are a starting point 
for further learning experiences. Yes, I've been Googling all sorts of things since we've been watching these shows. Grand Designs has a YouTube channel. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to go to the channel and I'm going to clip in the various episodes on the channel. There's only a little like two-minute segment of each episode, but I think that's enough to put in a note for my homeschool records. Then I'll make some other notes myself about the things that were discussed in each episode. And then I'll probably add, well, I already have started doing this, clipping in articles to do with eco-friendly homes, sustainability, that type of thing. I guess because a lot of people went into debt over building their homes, we can talk about money management. This makes me think of pocket money. Do we give our kids pocket money so that they learn to manage money? Somebody asked me this question a couple of weeks ago, and I've been mulling it over. I don't really know what the unschooling stand is on pocket money. I don't know what other unschoolers do. But I'm going to share with you what we do in our family. I don't know if it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing. When it comes to money, I think our kids will probably pick up on our own attitudes to money. I don't really think that we're very good at financial things. Andy and I are absolutely hopeless at budgeting, for example. Some people are really good at that. They're very self-disciplined. Every payday, they allocate money for certain things. They don't overspend. They're patient. They're good at saving. Well, we're not good at that at all. The only thing we're good at is not getting into debt. We only spend what we have. I guess we spend our money by feel. We think we might be able to afford that, so we buy it. We've spent a lot this month, so maybe we won't buy that till next month. But it's all done by feel. We don't sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and work it all out. So far, we're surviving quite nicely. So I don't think that our children are going to be financial wizards, because we're not. We haven't actually taught our kids how to do that. And maybe that would be a good thing to do. But I'm talking about the type of people we are. And this does influence our attitude to pocket money. What is important to us is to be generous. My husband Andy goes out to work to earn the family money. I don't earn anything worth recording. Yes, I've written a couple of books, but really that's just copy money. It's not money to rely on. I would describe Andy as a very generous man. He earns the money. He doesn't mind how we spend it. It's just our family money. He never questions what I buy. We are very fortunate to have enough money to live on so that I don't have to go out to work, so that I can be at home with our kids. And we look upon our money as family money. I can spend it. If our kids need money, then they're entitled to money as well. It's family money. So we try to be very generous with our money. If our kids need something and we have the money for it, then we buy it for them. We know that it's nice to have a bit of money of our own. I like having a little bit of money in my purse when I go shopping and I think, what can I buy with that? I'd like to buy a present for somebody else, so I will. And I think that's what our kids do. I give them pocket money when we can afford it, but they don't expect it. We've had times where we've had less money or we've had some bills come in 
or I've just forgotten to give my kids pocket money. None of them have ever come along and said, can I have my pocket money, mum? I've never caught up with it. I give the money if I have it. If I don't have it, they don't get it and they don't complain. But always, if they need something and I have the money, we will buy it for them. Being generous with our money, I think, has paid off because all our kids have learnt to be generous with their own money. I have a wonderful story about Sophie. She is 16. She has a job in a cafe. She works three days a week. And she has been saving her money to buy professional photography equipment. So far, she's bought herself a camera body and a lens. And she has the money to buy a second lens. She's bought a few other things along the way as well. She's also bought her sister Imogen a vlogging camera. You might remember that from one of my past podcasts. That was a lovely story. Imogen was so surprised when Sophie presented her with a box and inside was the camera. I was talking to Sophie about money the other day and she said that the best thing about having a job is not having money to spend on herself to buy the things that she would like. The best thing is having money that she can spend on other people. I've had to protest a few times about things that she wants to buy me. I want to buy you Photoshop, Mum, she said to me one day. I said, no, I can do without Photoshop, Sophie. Sophie has Photoshop and so does Charlotte. Uh, We have one subscription for two computers, and so I don't have access to that. I use Photoshop Elements, which is fine for me because that's sort of my level of photography. I haven't actually outgrown Photoshop Elements. But Sophie wants me to learn more. She wants to share Photoshop with me, and especially Lightroom. So she went and did some research, and she said, Mom, for a year's subscription to Photoshop and Lightroom, this is how much it will cost, and I want to buy that for you as a gift. Well, I protested and protested and protested. And then I thought to myself, look, she wants to be generous. Shouldn't we encourage our kids to be generous? It would give her a lot of pleasure to buy that for me. I know how much pleasure I get from buying gifts for other people. I haven't actually got the subscription to Photoshop and Lightroom yet. I had to empty my computer first, make room on it for the the downloads, because my computer is actually cram-bang full of photos, raw files. It doesn't take long to fill up a computer's hard drive. But I'm going to do that. I've been transferring files to an external hard drive and I'm almost at the stage where I can have Photoshop and Lightroom and Sophie is going to teach me how to use them. I'm looking really looking forward to that. The question of my computer filling up, that gave Sophie another idea. She came to me one day and she said, Mom, I would really like to buy you an iPad. You could do so much on an iPad. You need a new computer. But I won't let her buy that because that is very, very expensive. But what I love, what I really love, is her generous nature. I say to her, wouldn't you rather buy something for yourself? This is why you're working. And she says, no, Mum, I'll get my things in time. I would much prefer to buy things for other people. So that's uh, a few thoughts on pocket money. Being generous to us is very important. We are generous with the money that we have. Our kids don't expect it. They don't mind 
if one week they don't get pocket money, well, really, it's only Gemma Rose now because Sophie earns her own money. We don't give pocket money to the older girls. They get their own money. But I'm talking about how things have been over the last few years. They don't expect, but they are appreciative of what we give them. They share the money that they are given. One day, maybe, we'll share about budgeting and financial planning, but I think we're going to have to learn how to do that ourselves first. I'm going all over the place here. My podcast is getting into a bit of a muddle. And that's not because I haven't got any notes. No, before I sat down here today, I did make a long list of notes. But one thought leads to another, and I've gone off track from turning life into homeschool records. Somehow I've made my way to pocket money. Before I leave this topic entirely, I have something else I just want to say about Sophie and her cameras. I think it was about three years ago that Sophie expressed an interest in getting a DSLR camera. In episode two of this podcast, I think we were talking about how she could afford to buy one. I didn't think that we could afford to buy one for her. Eventually, we gathered up a lot of loose change around the house, which came to quite a substantial amount of money. I went to eBay and I found a second-hand camera. I bid for it. We got her her very first camera. Since then, we've bought lenses and other pieces of equipment. And I think that it was very important that we did this, that we helped Sophie get the tools that she needs to follow her passion. If we hadn't actually found a way to get that very first camera for her, she would not be where she is today. She would not be in a realistic position to think about following photography as a career. She wouldn't have photographed the wedding that she did a couple of months ago. She wouldn't be filming Sister Imogen's music videos. And that would mean that Imogen wouldn't be where she is today either. She wouldn't have a YouTube channel with all these videos on them. I think Sophie was telling me yesterday that they have, between them, produced 80 videos. I think that's quite remarkable. So I would say, if we can afford to buy things for our kids, things that will help them with their passions, then we should do our best to get them for our children. Kids can only learn so much without the right tools. For some passions, they need more. Yes, you can learn a certain amount about photography from a phone camera or a point-and-shoot, but to really learn about it, you need more, more equipment. And without that equipment, a child's learning will come to a stop. Back to life. What are some of the other things that have been happening in our lives recently that I have turned into Homeschool Records notes? Well, we have been decluttering our home. It's a continual process, but we've been making a really big effort recently. I went through all the books on our shelves. We have gathered so many books, too many books. Some of them weren't worth keeping. We recycled a lot of books. We took them down to the resource centre, and this led us on to a discussion about recycling, about waste. And after a bit of googling, we came across a series of programs called War on Waste, how we as a society are wasting so many of our resources. And Jim Rose and I are watching that at the moment. 
yes, clipping those into our Evernote notebooks. We are also repainting the inside of our house. So we've been talking about colour schemes. We've been collecting colour charts from the hardware store, comparing colours. We deal with colours all the time online. I'm always designing graphics or web pages, that type of thing. And colours have different codes. This is an interesting topic that we can put into our notebooks as well. Some creative arts. Also some science. Talking about creative arts, Gemma Rose has been drawing as usual. She had a break over the last month because she was doing Camp NaNoWriMo and she was writing every day. I think her goal was 200,000 words, which she reached, but because she was writing so much, she wasn't drawing. But she's gone back to her drawing now that Camp NaNoWriMo is finished. I've been scanning all those drawings, putting them into the notebook. I suggested to Gemma Rose the other day that we take a trip up to Sydney to the art gallery. She seemed really enthusiastic about this idea. It's an idea that we're going to put into action in the next week or so. I haven't been to the art gallery in Sydney for years. I've been to the one in Canberra, or maybe three years ago. We all enjoyed that very much. But there will be something special about the trip to Sydney. And this is that only Gemma Rose and I are going to go. I think Gemma Rose needs a lot more one-on-one -on -one time with me. I've been mulling over the thought that when we get to the last child, we sort of stop doing a lot of things. We've done them all before, so many times with the older ones. We sometimes forget that these are new experiences for our last child, even though we've done them over and over again. We have to do them one more time for our youngest children if they show interest. I'm talking about things like reading particular books, going places, just spending time together. I could be tempted to go off and do my own stuff every single day. My older girls, they don't need me anymore. Oh, we discuss things, we mull ideas over, we collaborate. But I don't have to be involved in their learning at all. I don't really have to be involved with Gemma Rose's learning, and this is the problem. She wants to spend time with me, even though she's an independent learner. And I forget this sometimes. So I am making a huge effort to think of things that we can do together. Her situation is so different from the older girls. They were always surrounded by other people who were learning similar type things. We'd watch Shakespeare plays as a group. We would go on outings as a group. We'd always be having big discussions. These days, the other girls are too busy to do that. So either Gemma Rose watches things by herself, or I make the effort to watch them with her, make sure we discuss them, just as I would have done with the older children. We had a lovely outing on Monday together. We dropped Sophie off at work, at about nine o'clock in the morning, and I said to Gemma Rose, shall we go on an adventure together? So we got coffee and hot chocolate from Sophie's cafe, got back into the car, and I said to her, let's just keep driving until we find somewhere nice to pull over, have our coffee, hot chocolate, uh, have a morning tea picnic together. We ended up at a national park that we have visited a number of times before. But each of the times that we have gone there before, we've gone as a family. 
I have never been there just with Gemma Rose. I guess I might have said, let's wait till the weekend when everybody can come with us. But I didn't do that. I just said to Gemma Rose, would you like to come for a walk just with me? And she was really happy about that. Having one-on-one time with me, she was important enough that I would spend the morning with her, walking through this national park, taking photos, looking out over the lookouts at the waterfalls. We had a good time. But while we were walking through the national park, we made a short video. I didn't know whether Gemma Rose would be agreeable to this idea because maybe she would think that if I was making a video, it would be for Facebook or for my blog, and then she would have to share me with everybody else online. My attention would be torn between her and the internet. So I gave her the option. I was quite willing not to make the video. But she surprised me and she said, yes, mum, let's make a video together. It was only a five-minute video. I took a little clip of us both before we started working, telling everybody where we were and how we were going to take a few clips of the area, the things that we were going to see. And that's what we did. I just made it very short, put it together when we got home, uploaded it to Facebook. You can see that on my Facebook page if you would like to. I was quite surprised. It got quite a lot of views. And now I can include that video in my Evernote notebooks. We did science and geography and history as and PDHPE as we were walking around the National Park. Actually, we were not really doing any of that at all. We were enjoying ourselves, having time together, learning in a very natural way things. But of course, when we got back, I put all that into the notebook. That had nothing to do with Gemma Rose. That was my record keeping. I had some photos as well. I uploaded those to Evernote, made a few notes, did some Googling about the National Park, about the things that we saw. We did a bit of bird watching. We saw some yellow robins. We saw a superb lyrebird, some superb fairy wrens. I clipped information about those into my Evernote notebooks, as well as some information about wattles and banksias and other native plants that we saw. It was a really good morning. We're going on another adventure next week, maybe next Monday again, after we have dropped Sophie off at work. We've already made a list of places that we might visit. In the process, I'm hoping to share some of the beautiful locations that are close to where we live. So if you're interested in where we live, which is an area that's about one and a half hours drive south of Sydney, yes, watch out for our adventure videos. All the places that we visit, like when we went up to see my son Callum, when we went to the National Park, all these places, I always clip a Google map of these places into my notebooks. Actually, I usually clip three or more maps. I usually get sort of the general area, then I zoom in and get some closer maps as well. Very briefly, we watched the Batman Lego movie the other night. How can we turn that into homeschool record notes? Well, I found some behind-the-scenes videos about the making of the movie. That's animation, creative arts. I haven't yet done this, but we could have a look at the Rotten Tomatoes rating for the movie. 
I suspect that it will have a very high rating because it was a very good movie. We all enjoyed it enormously, even better than the first Lego movie. If we wanted to extend our knowledge a bit more, we could probably look at the profits the movie is making. How much did it cost to make the movie? What are the profits like? Where is it in relation to other movies? Is it more profitable than the first Lego movie? All these kinds of questions can be pondered and answers can be found by doing some googling and of course all those answers can be clipped into our notebooks. I don't know if you've been following along with my daughter Imogen's vlogs. Every Friday she makes a Follow Me Friday vlog. She talks about what she has been doing in the past week and shares her news and what she intends to do in the following week. I think she is up to number 10. They don't get a great deal of views, but Sophie tells me that we should keep on making them because sometimes it takes a while for videos to get a following. We need to just keep on working at it. So I invite you to go over to my daughter Imogen's YouTube channel, Imogen Elvis, if you would like to have a look at those videos. Get a bit of an insight into what's going on in her musical life. And the last couple of videos also, they included some of the other members of our family. We made one while we were out on a picnic at the lake. Maybe two or three weeks ago, Gemma Rose was in the video with Imogen. And the rest of us were on the outside, adding comments from behind the camera. It made it a bit more fun, I think, for Imogen to have us there. We sort of hijacked her video, but she didn't seem to mind. It kept the conversation going, added a bit of fun. The last Follow Me Friday video we filmed last Wednesday, actually at the location where we were filming Imogen's latest music video. She has just released that one. She published it yesterday. It's now up on her YouTube channel. I'm just trying to remember what it's called. Looking at my notes, it's called Something Just Like This. We went down to the river to film it. There's an area of huge sandstone rocks. Very, very spectacular. We were up high overlooking the river. It was quite a drop down below. And Imogen stood among all these rocks, all beautiful different colors within the one rock, pinks and oranges, browns, whites. I really love sandstone. So we filmed that video there and afterwards we did the Follow Me Friday video before we came home. That location led to a bit of research as well. Stone Quarry Walk, that was where we were. So I did some googling and yes, they used to quarry sandstone there. And all the local buildings, the historic ones, they're built of sandstone. That's where the sandstone came from. I wasn't actually there for the music video shoot. Well, I arrived there with everybody else about 6.30 in the morning, just as the sun was coming up. And while we were standing there on this huge rock talking about where we were going to position the cameras, Imogen's phone started to ring. It was sort of startled us. There we were in the semi-darkness, out in the middle of nature, not a sound around us, and the phone rang. Who was it? Our first thought was, oh no, maybe someone has died. Something terrible has happened. Why would anybody ring us when we're out on location at 6.30 in the morning? 
Well, it turned out to be my husband, Andy. Now, he didn't ring me because I never have my phone turned on, but he knew that he could get hold of me through Imogen. She passed the phone to me, and I said, What's wrong? What's wrong? And Andy said to me, Do you have my glasses? His glasses? I thought, Why would I have his glasses? And then it suddenly dawned on me that I did have his glasses. I'd taken my phone to the bathroom that morning, and I had I had got up before the alarm had gone off. And I took my phone into the bathroom, turned the light on, and turned the, the alarm off, put the phone on the side of the sink, stepped into the shower. Later on, I picked the phone up, and I picked his glasses up, which had been on the side of the sink as well. And I probably thought that they were my reading glasses. I always need my reading glasses when I'm using my phone. I picked the phone up, the glasses up, popped them into my bag, went out the door to the music video shoot, didn't even consider the fact that they weren't my glasses. So I had to drive all the way home with the glasses so that Andy could go to work. Because he can't see without them, he certainly can't drive to work with without glasses. So I, I think it was about a half an hour trip back. I gave him his glasses, I turned around again, drove all the way back to the river. By the time I got there, they had just finished. I was quite disappointed, actually. I hadn't had an opportunity to take any photos while they were filming or to be involved with it, but the girls were quite happy to stay a bit longer. I did actually get a chance to take some post-music video shoot photos. It wasn't very cold, which was good, so nobody was anxious to get back in the car and come home. They were quite happy to linger a little bit longer. So, of course, music video shoots can be turned into Evernote notes. Creative arts, photography, video making, history, because we talked about the location, probably even geography, what the area is being used for, what it used to be used for. Nowadays, it's just a tourist path. But yes, in the old days, it was a quarry. Now, talking of music... We went to a recital maybe a week and a half ago. My daughter Imogen has a music exam tomorrow afternoon. She's doing a certificate of performance. She's had to prepare a program of six pieces of music from different time periods, and she will perform those tomorrow, one after the other. But she got a dummy run the other day. We gathered at her music teacher's home, together with some friends, so that she had a little audience, and then she presented her program to us. We gave her the opportunity to have a trial run. Now, from a Homeschool Records point of view, I was able to scan in the program of that uh, recital as evidence that Jim Rose had attended it. She'd gone to a classical music recital. Creative arts music. Also, one of the pieces that Imogen was singing was based on a poem by Christopher Smart. It was a Benjamin Britten piece, uh, Rejoice in the Lamb. And the words, they come from a poem, as I said, by Christopher Smart, My Cat Jeffrey. The words always make us smile. I did a bit of Googling later on to find the words of the piece and also a little bit of background information to do with Britten's music. Of course, those are in my Evernote notebook now. 
I have been talking a long time. I'm sure there are other things of the past few weeks that I could tell you about, but maybe those are enough examples to show you how I turn our lives into homeschool records. Sometimes life gets so busy and the record books remain empty and then later on I think, what am I going to put in the records book? But by sitting down and thinking about it, thinking about all the things we learn from life, it isn't really very difficult to find notes. I can just make notes about conversations that we have had, things that we have seen, add photographs I've taken or Gemma Rose has taken, add links to videos that we've watched or movies, that type of thing. I could stop there or, because we are curious people, we usually extend our knowledge. I usually do a little bit of Googling. Gemma Rose will do Googling of her own as well. And we'll use our life experiences as a starting point. Usually we want to know more. So yes, our records books fill up very quickly just by living life. Have I got time to tell you about what I've been doing online recently? Well, I hope so. First of all, I got tagged on Facebook by a page called Feedspot. I also got an email, but I didn't see that at first. They wanted to tell me that I was a top 50 unschooling blog winner. They had gathered together a list of what they considered to be the top 50 unschooling blogs, and I was on that list. Actually, I was on that list twice. I was at number 7 and number 21. Feedspot. I don't know if you've heard about Feedspot. I hadn't heard about them until I got this notification. Uh, Feedspot is an RSS reader. You can follow all your favorite blogs and websites and then read all the latest articles in one spot. Yes, you don't have to hop all over the internet from one blog to another to read the latest posts. They're all gathered together on Feedspot. You just nominate which blogs you would like to follow. Yes, I found out all about Feedspot after they announced that I was one of their winners. It's really encouraging when you hear such news. Number 7 and number 21. I'm not doing as bad as I thought. Why am I in the list twice? Well, this podcast, this Stories of an Unschooling Family podcast, is at number 7. And my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, is at number 21. Maybe I'll leave a link to that um, post so that if you would like to check out all the other unschooling blogs, you can. Yes, the other, what's that, 48 unschooling blogs that were in that list. I mentioned earlier that Gemma Rose had been doing Camp NaNoWriMo. Well, you might remember that I was doing it as well. I was hoping to put together my unschooling book. Well, did I actually reach my goal? I did. I got 50,000 words, which is the goal that I set myself. I have a basis for a book. I still have a lot of work to do on it, and I'm going to do that. But over the last week or so, I've actually taken a break from the book. I felt like doing something different. I don't know if that was a good idea because I am easily distracted. I hope I get back to that draft book very soon. 
But one of the things that I've been doing is making promo videos for my blog posts, some of my old blog posts. I've been using a website and software called Lumen5. At the moment, it is free software. All you have to do is sign up for an account. Apparently, you can make a video in 10 minutes. What happens? You import your blog post. You choose the key sentences that you want in your video. And then you press continue. And Lumen5 automatically matches up your words with photos. They choose the photos from copyright-free sites ones that you are free to use. You don't have to give credit for them. So in theory, you can make a promo video for a blog post in only a few minutes. But I can't do that. Because as you might know, I'm a perfectionist. I never like the photos that they choose for me. And I spend hours searching for better ones. But I've made, I don't know, about five videos so far. I have really enjoyed putting them together. I have posted them on Facebook and on YouTube. They haven't done very well on YouTube, but they have done extremely well on Facebook. I've been making my Facebook page very visual. I hope that it is a very attractive and helpful place to visit. So of course you can go and see those videos if you like by visiting my page, Stories of an Unschooling Family, and each video has a link to the original blog post if you would like to go and read that as well. I think there's only one more thing I want to talk about today, and that is live streaming, doing Facebook Live. I have mentioned this on and off over the past year. Will I ever make a Facebook Live live streamed video? Well, I think I will, because my daughter Imogen has made two. We did one this morning, actually, and we did one last Thursday as well. They have been a big success. We joined Imogen for both her videos. A couple of the girls were in front of the camera with her. Sophie did all the technical stuff from behind the camera. I sort of hovered behind as well. And we all commented, asked questions, kept the conversation flowing. I've shared Imogen's live stream videos to my Facebook page. They're easy to find if you would like to watch them. This morning we were talking about all kinds of musical things, such as, is it better to have a real piano, or is it just as good to have an electric one? How does Imogen deal with criticism? Would she like to collaborate with other musicians? How do you go about singing and recording songs, cover songs, and then putting them up on YouTube and not break any copyright laws? Imogen has some information about that. We talked about all kinds of things. It was very easy to keep the conversation going. And I'm hoping that I can do a Facebook Live video as well. Maybe my girls will join me and help me with the conversation. I almost made one on Tuesday morning. And then I thought, well, what am I going to talk about? I don't want to ramble on. I wanted to have something definite to talk about. So I'm wondering... Do you have any questions? Do you have any suggestions? Would you like to join me for Facebook Live? Perhaps we can talk about the things that I've talked in a podcast. Somebody did once suggest that after I have made a podcast, a few days later, maybe I could go online and we could all talk about it. Maybe I could do a series on a particular topic, such as 
starting unschooling. If you have any ideas or suggestions, yes, please stop by and share them with me. Doing a live video is pretty scary in some ways. We made a real big mess of the beginning of Imogen's first one. We had the phone round the wrong way. For a while we were broadcasting on our sides, and then we were completely upside down. And finally we worked everything out, and everybody could see us without standing on their heads. But I think we have ironed out all those technical difficulties now. They won't be a problem. But the scary thing is that we can't edit anything that we say. Unless, of course, nobody actually views it and then we can delete it. But when I'm making a podcast or a video, afterwards I can just take out all the mistakes. If something doesn't sound right, I don't have to let people see it or hear it. But that's not the way with a live video. We have to be careful about what we're talking about. Make sure that what we're talking about is interesting. That we don't talk over the top of each other. That we don't make mistakes. I guess that's all part of the fun, isn't it? If we do make mistakes, it's relaxed. It's not contrived. It's just us in our own home and we invite you to join us. Maybe there are some advantages to that after all. Well, I think I've come to the end of this episode, episode 104. I have really enjoyed sitting down here and chatting to you today after several weeks break. I hope that you haven't forgotten about me, that I'm not actually sitting here talking to myself. One thing I would like to ask you to do if you have the time, if you don't mind doing it, and that is to write a review on iTunes for my podcast if you enjoy it. I haven't had a new review for a very, very long time. Every month I get an email from Podcast Reviews, and every month the email says exactly the same thing. No new reviews for Stories of an Unschooling Family podcast. It's all rather depressing. I'm thinking that maybe a review or two will encourage other listeners. They will help spread the word about unschooling. So if you could write a review, I would really appreciate it. So all I've got left to do is to invite you to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, invite you to my Facebook page of the same name. Facebook is a great place for me to share news. If you ever want to know what's going on, the latest news, if you want to know when I'm going to be doing a Facebook Live video, yes, that's the place to go and have a look. Time to say goodbye. Time to thank you for listening to this episode. And... Hopefully I'll be back very soon with the next one. But until then, remember to trust, respect and love unconditionally. Mm -hmm.